Hello, this is Eric Schultz for Jersey Arts the Podcast. I am in Ake Harbor City, New Jersey today at the studios of the Atlantic City Ballet, and I'm joined by the ballet's director, Phyllis Papa. Phyllis, your dancers are in the studio next door rehearsing for upcoming performances of your ballet, Dracula, just in time for Halloween. Why did you choose to make a ballet out of this particular story? Well, I noticed that the holiday, actually Halloween, is getting more and more popular, and with the popularity of all the vampires and all the series going on, I thought I needed something for the fall. So I thought the ballet Dracula fit in with Halloween perfectly. For someone who's never been to the ballet, what could you describe what they will encounter when they see your ballet? Well, Dracula is not what you call a ballet per se. It's a dance experience. So if anything that they've ever thought of about ballet is not what they're going to see. They're going to see something that they can relate to as far as scary, interesting, sexy, um, different. You know, it really, I have to, if I had to describe it, I would say it's a dance experience to um, what they think of as scary or Halloween or Dracula, the bite of Dracula, all of that is in it. Is there any blood in this? Yes, there is. (laughs) Not real blood, of course. Have other choreographers done uh, ballets about Dracula? There's been two choreographers, one in Houston, Ben Stevenson, and also South Carolina does a Dracula, which is both performances are very different than what I've choreographed. I, I wanted my ballet to appeal to new audiences and people of different ages because you know the seniors love to come out and see the ballet but I'm trying to capture the teenagers the young you know the 20 year olds the 30 year olds to come out and want to see a ballet. How did you do that? How do you translate actually a story like that into movement? and ballet? Well first I started by reading the book and I read the book and then I knew I wanted to do the ballet and I wanted to do the story but I needed music And choreographers can do one of two things. They can either find the music first and then choreograph to what the music is telling them. Or if they have a brilliant idea of a ballet, they have to then have the task of trying to find music that would fit it. And that's the harder way to go. I much prefer taking the music and saying, the music says this to me, so let me make a ballet about this. But I chose the harder route. And so... It was difficult trying to find the music, but I have four young daughters uh, that were teenagers at the time when I first choreographed it, and my youngest daughter was very into vampires and Queen of the Dam and things like that, so I used her help in finding the music that would appeal to young people. And what music was that? Well, Richard Gibbs from Queen of the Dam was one of them. Mark Messina, who um, has a wonderful score. Also, I use Japanese cartoons, Yoko Kana, 
um, for a lot of the music. Are you using standard or traditional ballet movements when you're when you created this ballet, or did you have to come up with new things to to fit with this music and story? Well, all my dancers are classically trained, and I'm classically trained, but I'm also trained in all the other forms of dance, like ethnic, jazz, modern, tap, flamenco. And I incorporated a lot of the other movement, contemporary movement, into my ballet performance, which I do a lot in my choreography anyway, unless it's Swan Lake or like Nutcracker where you can't do that. Um, But I do like to mix up the movement. Still, they're dancing on point, but they might have a modern movement on point. It's a well-known story. Does that make it easier to tell it? Do you have to simplify the plot in some way to, to make it into a ballet? Actually, I pretty much did the whole story. I changed up the ending a little bit. And I don't want to give that away because it's a really great ending. So I did change the ending. And I really did not do the very beginning where it was done years and years ago when Dracula lost his wife and she thought he was at war and that he died and then she committed suicide. I left that part out. At some point, maybe I'll bring that back into the story because each year I am improving it. This year I gave Rainfield a little bigger part than he had in the last couple of years that we've done it. So I am always adding to it. And when I first created the ballet, it was in three acts. Now I brought it down to only two acts, but the acts are longer. So I am each year trying to make it better. How do particularly younger people react to it, particularly kids? Is it, is it scary? It is scary. It's very scary. But, you know, our youngest uh, audience uh, person was four years old. And she was a little scared, but, you know, after we talked to her, because I knew she was coming into the theater, I wanted to talk to her with her mom. She understood with a parent there explaining, this is make-believe. Then she really enjoyed it. The six-year-olds, the eight-year-olds, because they see so much on television today, um, it doesn't upset them the way it would have been when we were young. This would have upset us when we were young. But the children today are pretty acclimated to this sort of thing. You mentioned to me uh, earlier that uh, your dancers come from all over the world. They do. They come from 11 countries. And um, let's see, out of Asia, we have Korea, Japan, China represented. In Europe, we have Latvia, Romania, which is good for Dracula. We have Spain, Italy, uh, Scotland represented. We also have um, Australia represented and Israel. How do you connect with your dancers that you bring here? Well, you know, it's a small world in the dance world. Everybody knows everybody. For example, most of the the other directors of other companies, they all know me. We've all danced in New York together. And in fact, two, well, actually three of my own dancers from here are now have their own company. Robert Hill has the Orlando Ballet in Florida. And uh, Jim Vincent is now head of the Netherlands Dance Theater. And I have a choreographer, Monique Gruder, who's also in France and in the Netherlands. She does choreography. So we all know each other. You know, everyone knows everyone. And New York City Ballet director, he was one of my partners, Peter Martins. Helgi Tomasin, San Francisco Ballet, was another one of my partners. The head of the Juilliard School, Larry Rose, he was also one of my partners. So it's a very small world. So we all know each other. And with dancers, they, there's only so many companies they can really go to. And with the Internet 
and everything that's happening with the internet, they're able to audition to quite a few different companies. A lot of my dancers find me through the internet, and also I have auditions in New York every year in March. Was it a big transition to go from being a dancer to a leader of a company and a choreographer? No, because I'm still in the field. You know, I always wanted to have a company from the time I was like 12 years old. I always wanted my own company. And I remember being on the subway and thinking at 12, how am I going to do this? How am I going to become a director? I know nothing about it. That's what I was thinking to myself at 12 years old, you know? Isn't that funny? But it happened. Yeah. Tell me a little about the uh, people who are portraying the lead roles in Dracula and why you chose them in particular. The lead role is, of course, Dracula. And he's a tall Latvian male who is big. Uh, he's six foot. He's very strong. He, is, um, he doesn't have any hair. He's bald. And, uh, but he's, you know, he's only like 25 years old, and he's bald. But he's a strong dancer, and he's a strong partner. And I needed for Dracula somebody who could command the stage, who was strong, who could partner the, the girls well, because um, it's a very strong role. So he fit the role for me. And um, next is Wilhelmina, and Wilhelmina has to be the ballerina of the company. She has to be the sweet one, but the strong dancer. And so that went to Subasa, who's from Japan. And then we have Jonathan, who is from Romania, and he plays the lawyer. So Jonathan, he's been with me since the first Dracula I ever did, which was five years ago, in which he played a suitor at that time. So he's been with me a long time. He really understands my choreography and the roles and what it takes to be the lawyer of the part. So it's interesting because some of the dancers may have started like Subasa started as one of the vampires. And she's been with me also f- uh, four years. And she's now the lead dancer. So she's improved during that time. What does it take to be a good dancer in terms of discipline, athleticism, uh, and artistic kind of uh, Well, it takes insight. a lot of... Just be a lot of discipline, a lot of desire, a lot of hard work. It's something that is inside these dancers. It's instilled in them. It's for for me. I know I can speak for myself. I felt I was put on this earth to do this. You know, this was what I was meant to do. Phyllis Papa, congratulations on thirty years with the Atlantic City Ballet. Best of luck on your upcoming performances of Dracula. I am looking forward to seeing it myself. It has been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much. The Atlantic City Ballet performs Dracula on Friday, October 22nd at Manhattan Movement and Arts Center in New York City, Thursday, October 27th at Richard Stockton College, and Sunday afternoon, October 30th at Ocean First Theater at Stack in Manahawkin. For more information about the arts in New Jersey, visit jerseyarts.com. The Jersey Arts Podcast is made possible by the New Jersey State Council on the Arts. The New Jersey State Council on the Arts, encouraging excellence and public engagement in the arts since 1966. This is Eric Schultz for Jersey Arts, the podcast.